Hola mi gente. The moment you've been waiting for is finally here. My brand new book, Financially Lit, is officially out. And I can't wait for you to get your copy. Inside this book, I'm bringing you culturally relevant and relatable personal finance advice that will allow you to finally feel seen, heard, and understood. Whether it's the guilt you feel from being the first person to make it while members of your family are still struggling, or the way that financial trauma manifests itself in negative and limiting beliefs around money, Financially Lit is here to guide you through it all. Just a few years ago, it was almost impossible to find personal finance books written for first-generation wealth-building Latinas. We have been forced to navigate the complicated world of money with a bunch of money books written by old white dudes who don't understand what it's like for us first-gen kids. But that stops right here, right now. Inside Financially Lit, you will learn how to set boundaries with your familia, with your dinero, create and pass on generational wealth, diversify and increase your income, protect yourself from financial abuse, navigate the complicated relationship between amor and dinero, invest like a white dude or better, and so much more. You can get your hard copy and audiobook version of Financially Lit at financiallylitbook.com and make sure to join our email list so you can find out when I'm stopping in a city near you for the Financially Lit book tour. See you soon. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I think for the moms that are listening, it's just one part of who you are. You were a woman first. I was a single non-mom for 36 years before I became somebody else's mom. So like, I know what it's like to be a single woman. I was a woman so much longer and I was a whole person and I still am a whole person. The point of what I'm trying to create with the momish community is to create a space to where I'm not here to tell you how to raise your kids. I'm sure that you are doing the best that you fucking can. Most of us are, but don't forget yourself. You still need you. When you are down, like you need to be your number one fan. And we are societally taught not to cheer for ourselves, not to sit back and say, shit, I'm good at that. Because we're taught that you can't have too big of an ego or it's unfeminine. But no one ever says like, be a good woman to yourself. And I think if we had more of that, I want it to be okay to say like, I'm fucking over this shit today. Like, I'm going to go take myself to the spa. What's wrong with that? You still need to fill yourself up. You can't do none of this other shit unless you do that. You're listening to Yo Quiero Dinero, a personal finance podcast for the modern Latina. I'm your host, Janice Torres, award-winning Latina personal finance expert. I didn't always have my financial shit together, but when I started looking for POC-friendly personal finance podcasts, I couldn't find any. And so Yo Quiero Dinero was born. On this show, I'll show you how to make dinero, how to keep your dinero, and most importantly, how to make it grow. Each week, I'm connecting you with the most brilliant minds in the world of money and business, so you can learn about investing, entrepreneurship, and building wealth. The best part? I'm dishing up all this knowledge with a sassy side of sazón. So if you're ready to be poderosa with your dinero, you've come to the right place. Let's dive in.
Before we hop into today's conversation, I want to remind you to follow us on social. If you're loving this podcast and you want more community, you want to find out more about our events and all the stuff that we have going on behind the scenes, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, and everywhere else you love to hang out on the internet. If you're loving this podcast, please take a moment to leave us a review if you listen to us on Apple. It's the easiest way to share our podcast with people that you know and love, and it helps us get discovered by amazing listeners like you. So take a moment, leave us a review, share us with your friends and family, subscribe so that you never miss an episode, and make sure to check out our blog, YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com, where you can sign up for our email list and you'll never miss an episode. Plus, you get exclusive invitations to our live events, special discounts for our digital courses, and as always, our best personal finance tips and advice to help you be poderosa with your dinero. Thanks for listening. Now, let's get into the episode. Susanna, welcome to the podcast. I am so excited to have you here. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here, girl. You know, I'm like your fan and I've been following you and I'm like Janice telling me to get my shit together. So like I'm listening to whatever she says I got to do. I love it. I'm here for it. And I love your message that you are preaching on your platform. So let's start off with you introducing yourself to the audience. Awesome. So my name is Susana Cardona. I am an entrepreneur officially since January. So I'm a new entrepreneur, but I run two online platforms. Well, one predominantly, which is the Mamish community. It's centered around giving a voice and giving visibility to Latina, predominantly millennial moms, first-gen moms. And then I have my consultancy, which is Colectiva, where I focus on brand building and business management for Latina entrepreneurs. Love it. Okay. So you are a baby entrepreneur, which I am obsessed with, but you did not start doing the work that you are now doing as your own business recently, right? Yeah. Well, so here's the funny thing about me. I do not have corporate background. I have always worked with entrepreneurs. So I've always worked with privately owned businesses. And I like to say that the first entrepreneur that I ever worked with was my dad. I was like his first marketing team at seven when he was launching his landscaping business. Crazy, but I've had clients that are the big Fortune 500 companies, but I've never worked internally for one. So I feel incredibly just in tune with the entrepreneurial journey. I feel like it's like in us as Latinos and building business and making our own money is just something that I feel like many of us grew up around. So I feel like I'm kind of doing something not so different from what I'm used to. I've always worked with small businesses, yes, but mainly men. Okay. So let's dive into your backstory because I one of the reasons why I wanted to bring you on the podcast is because you as a mom and as an entrepreneur are in a unique place to be able to give advice from that place of having those two shared identities, which I think very often can compete with each other. And so let's talk about first pre-mom Susanna. What was the goal? What was the career path? Like, where did you grow up? Tell us a little bit about your backstory. Yeah. So I grew up between Southern California and New York City. Really two small areas, very underpopulated areas of the United States, small pockets of Latinos here and there. No, I grew up with really in really, really diverse communities. Um, my parents are South American immigrants, and they came here, obviously, for like many of our parents, for to build a better life. 
I'm the oldest of three children. So I have always been kind of like, I guess the bossy one, my brothers would say, right? And I just, you know, I always knew that I saw my father working for himself. I saw my mother and my grandmother always having side gigs. And so I just grew up with the idea that being able to have something of your own is really the way to get ahead. Lucky for me, unlike a lot of people, um, I did not grow up with the pressures of having to go down the formal route of anything. My mother did grow up here in the United States, so she was a little bit more Western in thinking, if you will say. And she was just like, whatever you do, do that shit all the way. So if she was like, we're going to the circus, we're going to go to the circus and we're going to be the best acrobat. You know, I didn't have the pressure of having to be any particular thing. And so... I really entered the world. My background is in hospitality, wine, and spirits, which is something that it's kind of like Oz. You're like, who works in liquor, right? But it's such a huge industry, and it's not quite honestly spoken about a lot. But most people that started in the industry started out sometime in either high school or college trying to make extra money. And that was the way that I started, right? I went to school. I moved out of my mother's house at 16. So it was a very, very early time, graduated early from high school. And I was like, I'm going to college. But I was smart in that, you know, I got accepted to some of the big name private schools. And I was, when I looked at that price tag, I was like, this is crazy. I'm not doing that. Like, I'm smart. I could be smart at any school. And so I went to a state school and I needed something that would help me pay rent that I could work very little hours, but I could make a lot of money because I had adult responsibilities by the time I was 17. I had my first apartment by the time I was 17. And so I discovered the world of bars and restaurants and nightclubs. And I started to work at night and go to school during the day. I never thought I was going to make a career out of it. But in the early 90s, all of the bars, restaurants, and nightclubs were privately owned. All of them. It was big, big money. Big money. So all the big, fancy Wall Street guys... All of the drug dealers, shout out to my old customers, (laughs) all of them, everybody, celebrities, everybody that came to New York would hang out in clubs and bars and restaurants. And I worked in a lot of them and I was able to make money and sustain myself and pay for college, my undergrad cash. How much money are we talking about? Like in a weekend? Oh man, I don't know who's listening to this. This is a long time ago, so I'm glad, but I'll say that I was making way more money than I should have been making. I think by the time I was like 22, 23, I was making like 80, 90 grand cash. In tips? You heard what I said. Holy shit. Yeah. And I wasn't even like at the top of the tier. You know what I mean? Because I wasn't a girl who traveled. Like the girls that traveled really made money. They would go to Vegas. They would work the Hamptons. And it was a small pocket of us. But, you know, for those of us who didn't end up playing around in the dark side of things, you know, a lot of the people that I worked with, unfortunately, turned to drugs. And it's just the ambiance. I never messed around with that. And so I ended up getting hired to become manager. Just for some context, so are we talking like bartenders or we're talking about like bottle girls or like VIP Bottle like- girls, bartenders, okay. managers, door people. Yeah. Hosts. I started in restaurants and then I ended up in nightclubs because nightclubs were only a couple of nights and you could make a lot of money at night. 
But I did all of it. I did fine dining. I ran the gamut. And then I ended up getting recruited by a brand. And I went to go work for the brand. And, you know, I created a career out of something that was really just supposed to be a gig. And I want to say, you know, I discovered that, you know, it makes you not be scared. You have to sell. And, you know, I want to shout out my hospitality people for people that have kids or even they're not parents, but they have kids in their lives. Push your kids to go to hospitality, even for a summer gig, a part-time gig, because dealing with the general public at high levels really teaches you so much about yourself. And if you don't work, if you don't hustle, if you don't sell, you don't make money. So as a very, very young person, what that helped me do is enter into the formal work world without being scared. I wasn't scared to ask for money. I was never scared to ask for raises. I was never scared to go in and say, we're going to have this review now. (laughs) I'm ready for my raise. I think I deserve this bonus because negotiation was, I really learned those skills as a really, really young person. And so that's where I kind of worked for almost two decades. And it was funny because I know that you've posted things before where your family's like, you and your little business. You know, my family was always like, when you're getting a real job. And I'm like, the money that I have in the bank is real money. And like, when you guys are asking me to help you guys, I'm paying you in real dollars. So I always say I liked, I grew up with liquor. I grew up with it. You know, I had been working in it since I was 18, 17, 18. And I left this past September. So it was a really great run. So tell me about how you made the transition from working in the service industry to then being hired by a brand. What did that look like? I think that the service industry is the underbelly, I like to say, of like working America. You don't pay attention to people that much that are like the servers and the restaurant, the restaurateurs and the managers. There's a whole business behind it. And I, you meet a lot of people, you make connections. And when I got the opportunity to go work on a brand... I said, I didn't have children. I didn't have a lot to kind of lose. And I said, let's do it because if this is a real career path, I already know everything about what it is to sell drinks to the general public. Now I get to get behind the brand and really figure out how it's sold in mass. So I was recruited and I started out on the distributor side, which for those of you guys who don't know, the wine and spirits industry is a highly regulated industry. There are rules behind it that you guys wouldn't even remember. It's still a controlled substance in the United States. And so being able to work on a brand that you can't freely give away, you can't sell. There's all these crazy legal rules and every state has its own laws. I got to learn a lot of that in the distributor side. And then I got to work for the first luxury Latino owned brand and build that up for the past seven years. What I like to say is the reason why I focus now on women entrepreneurs is because I spent the past two decades making men a ton of money. It's a I was going to say. Yeah, it's a male-dominated industry, like most things, like most money-making industries, right? Yeah. I'd be curious to talk a little bit about what the experience was like for you as a woman and a woman of color in an often male-dominated industry, because I think for many of us, we tend to find ourselves in companies, careers, places where we feel like, who the fuck hired us and why am I here and when are they going to find out that I do not belong here? 
Tell me about that. I'll say this. I'm a diehard feminist. I grew up with three generations of single mothers, which is nutty. My great grandmother was a single mother. So I grew up all around like seeing the sanctity of women and how incredibly fucking badass we are. But I was never scared to play with boys. You know, my mom is a tomboy. I grew up very much a tomboy. And so I felt like instead of being pissed off that they maneuvered and they owned shit, I was like, I'm going to learn from men. My biggest supporters ended up being men. Now, that also goes with a lot of experience and watching men and how they maneuver and how they move. We can learn a lot from men. You know what I mean? Good or bad. I think it taught me to be an incredible negotiator. I think that it taught me to not be scared and to really be able to step into a room and hold my own. I can't tell you how many times I had to step into rooms when I was the only woman and the men in the room would say, where is the boss? Where's your boss? And then my all male team would look and say, well, she's here, right? And so those were all moments of just being able to see how the world works, how negotiation works, how business works. You got to be tough. You got to have grit. And I think it made me not be scared to move into the entrepreneurial space because if anything, I know how I work. I can bet on myself because I've always had to do that. Mm. I think that grit that you're talking about is something that is an essential skill set for entrepreneurs. So I'm just like, yo, you got a head start. You got the cheat sheet. You got the secret code because that shit is a requirement. I don't think we can talk about that enough. And hence why I think preparing young people for that and putting them in spaces where they're going to be uncomfortable, where they're going to have to talk, where they're going to have to sell, where they're going to have to hustle a little bit is really a great move because it builds you up. So like, you know, I follow a lot of you guys, the entrepreneurial kind of world. And I think you guys are all incredible. And sometimes I'll hear things when you guys are talking about like, you know, being scared of like people saying no. But I'm like, I've had two decades of people telling me no. All people have told me is no. So I'm like, no, so what? Like that just means I need to supply them with more information. I need to reframe this thing that I'm going to sell them. Like, it doesn't mean anything to me. It doesn't mean that they're telling me no. It just means that I didn't sell it right. Well, shit, let me go back and try to sell it properly. And I think those are things that we can really instill in young people. Being gritty as hell and saying like, shit, all right, learning. I love that message. And I think it's an important reminder that like, you kind of do have to separate yourself as a human versus like, from your business and not taking shit personal, right? Because I think a lot of us tend to take those rejections and make it mean more than what it is that it's about us and some flaw that we have as a human. And it's like, nah, yo, you're like, your marketing's off or your offer's off or the, you're talking to the wrong fucking people or the pricing is off. It's not you, sis. It's not you. <laughs> or they're just in a bad mood. Right. Or they didn't, yo, I learned some crazy. I learned from one of my old sales reps. He used to say, don't take business meetings before lunch, because when people haven't eaten, they're not in a good mood, they're hungry, and they're trying to rush you out. And I'm like, oh shit, small things like that, but you got to do it over and over. You got to fall over and over again. You got to get your ass whooped over and over again for you to say, okay, well, cool, I can do this. And right now we coddle young people a lot. We make them say, it's okay, it's okay. You know, you're all right. Don't go outside. The world is hard. And I feel like we're doing them a disservice. Like, go out there, scrape your knees a little bit. Absolutely. It will teach you some things. <laughs> 
All right. So tell me about kind of your first moment thinking, you know, I'm ready to do something on my own. Where did that entrepreneurial spark come from? I know you mentioned your dad and the fact that he owned a business, but where did it come from for you during your journey? Well, like I said, I've always worked for entrepreneurs and I think like I was so fortunate to work with people that were very successful at what they did. So a lot of the money talk, my last formal role, I dealt with a lot of very, very wealthy people. So you were basically interfacing with small businesses to sell the product that your company was My last role, I was a global brand director. So not so much. I was was really like managing a brand on a higher level. But I did start out as having to figure out how it was going to interface with different people. I think that being able to get a front row seat to watching entrepreneurs come up with ideas and then making money out of it, that was just like the craziest shit to me. They have an idea and then they're like, we're going to go do this shit. And then they would do it. And then I'm like, I just made all this damn money off of just some shit that you came up with in your, I thought it was incredible. And so I would start coming up with ideas. Those ideas were making money. And so I was like, well, I can do this. I can do this for myself. Right. And I think I just reached a point. I think everybody reaches, if you have it in you or not, where I said, I'm tired of building up everybody else's dreams. I'm tired of, I believe in their dreams. I want them to win. So there wasn't that kind of like animosity, like I quit. I want this whole building to fucking burn down. I didn't have that experience. I stepped away because I'm like building up no matter whose dream it is, whether it's yours or somebody else, that shit takes so much time, energy, and effort, right? Everybody who works for somebody else knows how that feels. At one point I said, I want to build up what I want to build up. I want to build up my dream. I'm good. I can build brands. I'm very good at it. I can give business guidance because I've done it for so long. And I want to work with women because I want to see fucking women win. I want to see Latinas win. I want to see Black women win. I want to see Asian women win. And so I don't want to have to justify that to anybody because it's not according to their brand story or their guidelines. It's what I wanted to do. And again, I already had that chip of like, I bet on myself. I know that if I'm handling it, it's going to be done right. And I'm going to be able to make money. And so I stepped away and it was crazy, girl, because I think you can, you know, resonate when you have the cute six figure salary and you know, you're cute out here. You got an expense card. You got a cute title. People are fucking opening up doors for you and shit. And you feeling like, oh, damn, you know what I'm saying? I'm taking my dad on vacation. I'm going away with my mom. I'm sending money to the family. It's hard to walk away from that. But I think what I couldn't deal with is being crushed and living the rest of my life, building up somebody else's dream and then not giving mine a chance. Yeah. I think a lot of folks can resonate with that. It's almost just like you have to give up the fear of the security to embrace a fear of losing that security for another fear, which is like, what the fuck's going to happen? What's the unknown? So it's just like, which version of scary shit am I going to pick? Is it like sacrificing my fucking hopes and dreams? And then maybe waking up one day, 75 years old, like what the fuck did I do with my life? Or is it going to be like, let me jump out the plane. We'll figure this shit out on the way down. 
Okay. So tell me about that first paid client. Like how did you get to that place? What did you do to launch your business? I love this question because you know, I don't want virtual tomatoes to be thrown at me right now, but I lo- I launched in January and I landed my first client in January. And it's not, I would say, comfortably cheap to work with me. So I think some of your coaching guests like they call their stuff like high ticket coaching. Or I remember I heard that. I learned that term with you in your podcast. I sell high ticket consulting, if there is a term for that. And so I, I landed her. And I think that when you land your first client, it's like the validation that you need to be like, okay. Like, cause for a moment I was just like, am I the only one that thinks that I'm good at what I do? And then you land that first client and you're like, no, no, I'm I am good at what I do. Somebody's going to pay me their hard-earned dollars to see what I can do and bet on me. What I ended up doing is I joined a whole bunch of online virtual collectives of women entrepreneurs and wherever I could find business women that hang out, I was trying to pitch. And you joined my program too, the and Ultimate Side Hustle Starter Kit to start listen, launching your business too. Get into it. Get into <laughs> it because Janice, listen, the podcast kit, it was really helpful. I did. So I invested. I put some money away. But I will say something. I want to say something. When you're an entrepreneur, people are watching you for a little bit. And I, I was even thinking about when I joined your podcast boot camp, I had been following you for a while. I had been watching you for a while. And I don't think you were ever been like, oh, this girl that's been following me for a while and we became online friendly is going to like buy into one of my programs. The thing is, You just never know. You got to be out there. You got to be giving people an opportunity to buy into your offer, into your program, into your service, into your product. You just never know who's watching and who could potentially be an eventual client. You just never know. I mean, I had been following you for a while before I bought it, but I was like, I like how she moves. I like the shit that she says. I think it makes sense. She's smart. I only buy into smart people. So I'm going to buy this shit because I want to see what she's got to teach me. And it was quite helpful. So I think that's key. You never know who's watching. You got to keep selling. You got to keep presenting. You got to keep repeating. I know you say that a lot and I couldn't agree with you more. Absolutely. It's like getting out of this mentality that like you're being annoying or you're being too salesy. Like men out here are not worried about how many times they're going to show up in your fucking face trying to sell some shit? Not in the very least. For years, I have managed all male sales teams. They are the most relentless. Like, they're if not you worried about your fucking feelings. And you could tell them no in five different languages. Girl, they'll figure out a six to come back and tell it to you again. <laughs> yeah. There are some lessons to learn there. Word, word. <laughs> All right. So let's get into now your journey as a mom and how that has interfaced with your journey as an entrepreneur. Tell me what that process has been like for you and if it has changed kind of your perspective that you had originally about what entrepreneurship would be. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. 
Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online store shop phase to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic your AI-powered all-star. What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dinero, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dinero now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dinero. Little kids are like something else. Like at one point I was very ashamed to say this out loud, but I've come to like, this is my truth. I never wanted to be a mom. I never did. I wanted to make money. I wanted to live that cute life. I was ready to be the money-making tia forever. Honestly, I wasn't worried about it. And thankfully, I didn't have that traditional Latina mom that pressured me. She just was like, bueno, si pasa, pasa, y si no pasa, no pasa. It doesn't matter. And I really took that on. When I got pregnant at 36, girl, I was like, why did I get pregnant at 36, first of all? Because it was not on purpose. I felt so silly. I was like, how did I survive my entire 20s and didn't get pregnant? I got pregnant at 36. We decided to have my son. I can't explain the depth of like the fuckery that it makes you go through. It makes you see all of your bullshit. It makes you, you know, little kids and babies, they make you see, force you to deal with your shit. And if you don't, like you're not coming out on the other side when I had my son, it changed my life. And I know that every parent says that, but a truer statement has not been spoken. And this past year during COVID, for those non-alcoholic beverage industry people, liquor was through the roof. It was up 400% during COVID. That's the only shit we had to do. Okay. All right. People are like, why are you guys working so much? And I'm like, what are you doing all day long? Right. We're think watching Netflix it. and fucking getting drunk. That's drunk. <laughs> Somebody had to manage that business. It was all of us. And we were working. I was handling four different continents, time zones, multiple teams. I was working more than I had ever worked in my life. And when my son one day walked into my room where my office is at and goes, Mommy, you're always tired and you're always in a bad mood. I think it just, oh God, it makes me want to cry now, but it, 
it ha- it made me look at myself and say, like, I can't go this hard for somebody else's dream. I can't give him anything after this. I'm building up somebody else's dream and I can't hand anything to him for all of this. And so if anything, I think that kids are incredible mirrors and they make you take hardcore inventory of your life very quickly. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. They do say that kids are like the purest form of honesty and they will call you out on your shit and not even realize it. Not even before I had my son, I had my niece and my niece used to be like, girl, like, are you putting on your lipstick today? Cause you look crazy. <laughs> and she was like four. She was you. you gotta love the realness. <laughs> we need more of that in the world. Oh my gosh. We sure do. Okay. So let's talk to the mamas out there because part of your platform now is sharing with moms this important message that you do not go on the back burner just because you become a mom. And I think we've seen that in our culture that the moms are the ones that sacrifice everything for the families. They suffer, they tolerate, they enable sometimes. They just don't know how to choose themselves first. And you're kind of just like, fuck that. Okay. We need to reframe what it means to be a mom. So let's talk to the moms out there. What do you think is kind of the recurring themes that you're seeing that are keeping moms from living up to their full potential? I think the bullshit of mom guilt, the bullshit of like responsibility and this ideal mom kind of like sickness that is tried to plague us all. It's women shit. It's not really just mom shit. It's women shit. It's society telling us that we must be something, which means that we are now in a deficit of something else, that we are not whole. And you never win because like, if you don't have kids, why don't you have kids? And then if you do have kids, every damn person wants to tell you how to raise them. And then if you have a business, you know, everybody wants to tell you how to have the business. And if you don't have a business, why are you working for other people? Like you never win. And so- I think for the moms that are listening, it's just one part of who you are. You were a woman first. I was a woman, a single non-mom for 36 years before I became somebody else's mom. So like, I I know what it's like to be a single woman. I remember what it's like to not wake up at five in the morning. (laughs) I was a woman so much longer and I was a whole person and I still am a whole person. And I think the, the, the point of what I'm trying to create with the Mamish community is to create a space to where I'm not here to tell you how to raise your kids. I'm sure that you are doing the best that you fucking can. Most of us are, right? But don't forget yourself. You still need you. You still, when you are down, like you need to be your number one fan. And we are societally taught not to cheer for ourselves, not to sit back and say, shit, I'm good at that. I'm good at this shit. Like, I'm actually really good at whatever it is because we're taught that like, oh, you can't have too big of an ego or it's unfeminine or, you know, duty before, you know, whatever whatever the saying goes, like you have to be a good wife, mom, employee, citizen, fucking, uh, whatever, religious person, whatever the things are, but no one ever says like, be a good woman to yourself. And I think if we had more of that, I just want it to be okay. I want it to be okay to say like, I'm fucking over this shit today. Like, 
I'm going to go take myself to the spa. Like, or I need to go to the beach. I love your Puerto Rico footage. Cause I'm like, yes, girl took herself on vacation. Like that's what the fuck I'm talking about. What's, what's wrong with that? You still need to fill yourself up. You can't do none of this other shit unless you do that. Yeah. I think that the guilt is something that everybody battles with, right? Because it's almost like women are taught to sacrifice. Like that's our value in being able to serve. And somehow we have become conditioned to believe that doing the things that you need for yourself means that you are somehow taking away from those around you, that you are somehow neglecting your partner, neglecting your children, neglecting your job. When you say, no, why do you think, especially like Latinas have a hard time with this? Colonialism. Ooh, there Ooh. it is. <laughs> <laughs> Religion, the patriarchy, like, all that shit. I like to think about like ancestry. So I went to school. I have a part master's, meaning I finished one year and then 2008 happened. Y'all remember what happened in 2008. So I didn't get to finish my master's, but I was studying like anthropology, I'm sorry, and Latino studies. And so before Christianity came over to give us all these interesting ideas and like no shade to my religious community like at all, right? I think it's important and there's a lot of great learnings that we can garner from religion. But before that and patriarchy came along, we were communal societies and we all had our part. I don't think there's anything wrong with like certain people playing their roles, right? Like when we talk about from the countries that we hailed from, our mothers stayed home, fathers or the men would go to work, that system works, because women were not expected to also bring home fucking money. But now that we have capitalism in the West, those systems don't work. So now we both need to bring home money. Now we both need to help with our kids. Now we both need to help uplift the businesses and support. You know what I mean? So we need to be able to free ourselves from like this old thinking that it's supposed to be a certain way. I had this epiphany I wanted to share with you on this particular show. Having worked so long with wealthy people, what wealthy people don't do is they don't feel shame for needing help. They are the first to outsource shit. Thinking that we can do everything ourselves, that's poverty mentality. It's literally only poor people that have those conversations with themselves. Poor people only. Right. Yeah. And so if we're going to start adopting a wealthy mentality, a mentality of abundance, then we're not meant to do this shit by ourselves. Like we're not meant to. We physically cannot. Only in this country are we supposed to do all of these things, you know, and then still be the fucking whatever model looking bitch. Like it's right. <laughs> it's true because we came from communal households where abuela lived next door, aunt was across the street, the church and the community center and all that shit. Like it took a village. And now we're trying to replicate that shit by ourselves. My grandmother bought a whole ass house because she had the good credit. She bought a whole house so that we can go live in it with her so that my mother could have assistance and my grandmother can help take care of us. And my grandmother also worked. Why is that such a thing now? Only in the West are we expected to move away, move away from our support center, raise kids, have a job, have a fucking size zero waist, have flawless skin, all of these things, be sexy for your partner. Like 
all these crazy expectations and then completely deplete ourselves. I just think it sounds... It sounds crazy when you put it like that, but that's literally like the bullshit that we have become accustomed to believing is normal. And for me, it sounds completely fucking abnormal. (laughs) I'm glad. And I hope it sounds abnormal to other people. When people go, well, my mom did it by herself. No, she didn't. No, she didn't. (laughs) You just don't know. She moved there. She had Latia. She made that shit look easy. That's why you think that. Mm. So I find it very interesting how candid you can be about the fact that, you know, motherhood is not always fucking rainbows, unicorns, and roses, despite what the magazines and the media would tell you. And just being able to be honest about that, I think, is something that a lot of women still have a hard time admitting to themselves. How do you think you got to a place where you're just like, you know what? I can be honest about my experience and being vocal about it is actually helpful. Again, I'll say that I was super fortunate to grow up with a mom who she's a cursing, weed smoking, super creative artist. And I grew up along like the periphery of Catholicism, but I didn't grow up with the heavy weight of like religion or expectation. So honesty was always applauded in my household. And I think that it's something that I've also seen. I see it and I admire it in business. I try to align with clients. I've always tried to work under founders that practice some level of honesty, right? And integrity. And I think that honesty is kind. It's the kindest thing that we can do amongst each other. Admitting your own privilege is also something that many of us need to do, right? Where we always like to, you know, in a world right now where people are so angry and we're so quick to get into a very heated discourse over not listening to each other. I'm like, wait a minute, but you're doing this from your iPhone right now. There are people in this world right now, 2022, that don't have the AC that you're sitting in, don't have the iPhone that, you know what I mean? So like even thinking about perspective is so, so incredibly important. And I think that it's hard to be honest. Like I think people generally applaud honesty once they get a platform, but being that honest kid, that shit is hard. It's hard. Like people don't like honesty. We're not raised to think that it's beautiful or that it's loving or that it is kind, right? And so I think that motherhood, I think that in the same way that I can say, I need a break from this damn kid. He's getting on my damn nerves. That has nothing to do with me loving him or not. That has nothing to do with me like, I'll fight you if you mess with my kid. Like that has nothing to do with that sentiment. If they don't occupy the same space, he, somebody could be annoying and you could still love them. It could be fucking hard and you could still love it. It's like business. I think businesses are like babies. There's days that you hate that shit. There's days that you're not trying to show up and you're like, fuck this. Like, this is what I left my job for. I got to do HR. I used to have an HR team. I got to do marketing. I used to have a marketing team. I don't want to do this shit today. But that doesn't mean that you don't get up every day and go, I love this. I got to reset. It's the same thing with children. It's the same thing with motherhood. It's the same thing with partners, any kind of relationship, friendship, shit. Like sometimes you don't want to. And that's just part of the human experience. And for us to deny that, it's like we want to hold people to these moments forever, right? Like, oh, you said that about your child that you want him to go away. Like, 
my kid just got back. He was in Florida and I'm so lucky that I have family in Florida that could look after him for a month. He was away. Yo, after two weeks, I was like, damn, I want to be annoyed again. I miss him. <laughs> it's all you know, about the perspective. It doesn't mean anything. It's just, I'm a human being. And like, you know, I think that at the end of the day, if we could just be a little bit softer with each other, right? Give each other like, damn, just because she's having that fucking moment right now, that don't mean that she's going to always have it. She's allowed to have that shit. Maybe she's having a hard time. Maybe she doesn't have a lot of support. All the variables that could happen. Yeah. You know, I think there's also a lot of privilege that's tied with the ability to be vulnerable. And vulnerability is not a skill set that we are taught in our community because we come from places where vulnerability equals security issues or you just being unsafe or you opening yourself up to being preyed on. And so it's definitely a skill set, right, that we have to acquire And I think once we learn how to do so, it can become a really powerful force for change because you can start to verbalize the experiences that many of us are having, but are just too fucking scared to admit it. I love that you said that because it's absolutely part of my privilege, right? Like I wasn't raised in a household to where I was punished for being honest. I was raised in a household where I would get in trouble for lying, right? Even if it was hard. Like, tell the truth. Be who you are, right? My parents would come down on me when they're like, you're doing that shit for the wrong reasons. You're doing that because you're trying to keep up. Not because that's what you really want to do. And not everybody's parents are that way. Not everybody's family setting is that way. So that's absolutely true, you know? And I grew up in the United States. That's a huge privilege. All right, so let's leave a closing message to the moms out there who are like, yo, I am so tired of putting myself on the back burner. I'm ready to start choosing myself. But honestly, I don't even know what's one thing that I can do right now to shift the narrative and start choosing me while also honoring all these other responsibilities that I have. I think that you can wake up every single day and decide that you are going to do something kind for yourself. You can wake up every single day and say, I'm not going to tear myself down. Speak to yourself the way that you speak to your children. Speak to yourself the way that you speak to your partner. Speak to yourself the way that you speak to your clients. Give yourself that same attention. Give yourself that same care. And be empathetic and caring and loving with yourself in the same way that we expect our kids to be out in the world, right? Show yourself that same love because like, I feel like women, like we are so goddamn badass that it's like, we can do anything. We can do anything, but we shouldn't do everything. Mm, mm -hmm. There is a big distinction there. I love it. So I'm curious for you, Susanna, what does self-care look like as a mom, entrepreneur, badass, mujer, killing it? Because I think self-care is also a very controversial topic, if you will, of just like, it's somehow selfish. How do you reframe those thoughts around the guilt of taking time for yourself? I like by starting with no. I think it's really a powerful, simple tool. I think Me, you, and the rest of the world wants a fucking full, like, vacation for 20 days in Turks and Caicos. I want that shit, too, right? Where, like, fine-ass men are, like, pouring bottles of champagne into my mouth and, like, fanning me. I want that shit, too. 
The reality is, is that, is that going to happen anytime soon? Not for me, probably not. Right. And so I start with being able to set a boundary in a loving way and making sure that I show up for myself. Right. So self-care can be as simple as like somebody calling me with some sort of emergency and me saying, I can't do this, but maybe somebody else can do that. Like, I wish you well. Or not taking that extra project, not taking on this, not answering my phone after a certain time. Like my phone is turned off every night. People sound think that that's crazy, but I turn that off every single night because I need my mind to rest. Deciding before anybody wakes up and starts asking me for shit, I need coffee. It's like small things, right? Because the rest of the day, and, and I want to say this even for like my non-entrepreneurial sister, right? If you are any kind of manager of anything, if you are managing people at work, if you are managing a household, the rest of your day is giving. The rest of your day is depletion. People need shit from you. People need you to follow up. People need your direction, your guidance, your love, your band-aids, your fucking arroz con habichuela, everything. And people need something from you. So if you can give yourself 20 minutes in the morning to have your coffee in peace, there's nothing wrong with that. Maybe it's the shower. I'm I'm locking the door so that nobody can come in here and say, to wash my hair in peace. I think that all is self-care. It's setting little boundaries, but I think we focus so much on like these big things and it's consistency and discipline every single day that gets to the goal. I've never seen anybody be successful at anything else without following those two things. I absolutely love that message. And it really does start with you choosing yourself and knowing that by doing so, you're actually going to be able to give the best parts of you when it's required. I love it. I love this message. And I know there are so many women and moms who are going to be listening to this episode and be like, I need Susanna's energy in my life. I'm here for it. So tell us where we can find you, not only from you know the momish community, but also for entrepreneurs who are looking to get the support that they need with branding and expanding the reach of their business. Tell us how folks can work with you. Absolutely. So if you want to hear me rant and rave, and sometimes I, I do in-person events because I'm, I'm all about the in-person. I like community in the physical sense, right? So you can follow me at the Mamish community, M-A-M-I-S-H. And if you need a badass consultant who's going to always give you the real, whether or not you like it, uh, you could follow me at Colectiva, C-O-L-C-T-V-A. And that's it. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for being a really important voice in this space. I think, you know, there's a lot of mom content out there that is like just purely detached from reality. And I am so here for the real deal messaging that women need and the fact that you're giving them permission to level up, not sacrifice themselves and inevitably becoming better versions of mothers, entrepreneurs, humans, because they are putting themselves first. So thank you. The world needs us whole. The world needs us whole, girl. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Janice. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, 
HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you are ready to take your dinero to the next level, sign up for our free 14-page guide, The Financially Lit Latina, the ultimate blueprint for becoming poderosa with your dinero. This 14-page guide includes our best tips on money mindset, budgeting, debt repayment, career, investing, financial independence, side hustles, and more. And you can get it completely free. So to get your copy of the Financially Lit Latina, just head over to YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com slash start. That's YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com slash start and start transforming your dinero story today. Until next time, stay empowered, stay inspired, and stay poderosa. On the Yo Quiero Dinero podcast and associated entities, all information provided is for general information purposes only and does not constitute accounting, legal, tax, or other professional advice. Listeners should not act upon the content or information found here without first seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional. We assume no responsibility for information contained on this podcast and associated entities and disclaim all liability with respect to such information, including but not limited to any liability for errors, inaccuracies, omissions or misleading or defamatory statements. Usage of this podcast and associated contents constitutes an explicit understanding and acceptance of the terms of this disclaimer.